It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. The Dalvin Cook soap opera is over. What's up, everybody? Luke Braun here from Locked On Vikings. And I just want to thank the Vikings for doing this on a morning right before we record the Minnesota football party. This is Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. At least they didn't do it during the show. Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman. I want to know what the football party market is in a trade right now. What's our trade value right now, guys? What's that compensation look like? 2029 conditional seventh? They're just going to cut us straight up. It's the Minnesota football party. Locked on sports, Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talks Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in. It's the Minnesota football party on a Thursday. So much to discuss. Dalvin Cook's fate is decided. Mostly, he will either be traded or cut by Friday. We're going to dive into that. Plus, Daniil Hunter is suddenly on the trade bro- uh, trade block confirmed by Ian Rappaport. That deserves plenty of discussion. Those two topics will dominate today, and we'll get Ron Johnson to weigh in as well who, by the way, is going on the Pat McAfee show later uh, as well. That's Luke Inman. That's Luke Braun. That's Arif Hassan. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for making the Minnesota Football Party your choice to break down this big news. If it's your first time viewing, make sure you subscribe. Uh, We're also free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Roku. You can find us on the SiriusXM app. You can find us on Amazon Fire. Lots of different ways to access Lockdown Sports Minnesota. The show today brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more at FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. All right, Dalvin first. That's the biggest news. Uh, Luke Braun, you woke up to it there on the West Coast. Your initial thoughts, Dalvin Cook probably cut one last chance to trade him here in the next 24 hours. Yeah, I'm just glad that social media is now going to have to find something else to be annoying about for the next couple months. <laughs> I mean, this oh, whole thing will drag out forever. Don't you worry. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll oh, they will. They will. The same but... thing. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Variety is the spice of life. Uh, <laughs> no, it's we've had this in the pipeline since March, basically like February. I mean, this has been the whole off season. We've kind of known 
they're either going to release him or they, they can find a trade partner. It looks like they're not going to find a trade partner. One last ditch effort on Thursday here. Uh, but that's going to be it. Turns out he plays out three years of that deal. He, he signed in 2020, which when you looked at that deal, that looked like it was one of those five-year deals. That's like really a three-year deal. Uh, and that's kind of that. I think I'm most curious to see where the, all these cap savings from Zadarius Smith and, and Dalvin cook are going to go, whether they sit on it and roll it over into next year, whether they've got a signing or a mm-hmm. trade or something in mind. I'm very curious to see what that ends up looking like, but there are definitely still a couple of major questions on this Vikings roster where it's really hard to have a salient prediction on exactly how things are going to go. I'm, I feel like we, there's a couple of major things we don't know yet. Yeah, yeah this has been, that's where the savings are going to go. <laughs> yes. It's been a very non-traditional 100%. off season. Like Rick Spielman was the most predictable GM by the end. And Quazy is not. Quazy is putting $28 million of dead cap into next year. And then in the meantime, opening up all this, all these other avenues of you know, financial flexibility for the future. But he's hanging on to these veterans for months and months and dragging the process out. And with Zedarius and, and Dalvin, I think it deserves some level of scrutiny as to how long they waited and then what they ended up getting. Luke Inman, uh, Dalvin Cook gone. We, can't, we saw this coming, so there's not a surprise factor to it, but I guess are you surprised in the end that there wasn't a trade partner clamoring to, to get Dalvin services. Uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's obviously not a shocker to anyone. The writing has been on the wall for months. Now we knew this move was in the works for a while. I think it's fair for fans to be disappointed in the fact that team likely won't net any type of draft compensation for such a big name superstar in the league. Who's only what 28 years old, but also at the end of the day, like we've talked about so much on this show, this move was always about clearing the cap space and any draft pick netted was just going to be gravy on top. You know, it's just going to be a little bonus. I think we're starting to see Quasi's blueprint kind of start to unfold now as he gets with the time, so to speak, moves to that running back by committee rotation, dumps this massive 10, 11 million dollar yearly cap hit for a position that clearly just isn't as valuable as it used to be in the league with the way the rules have changed, the way the game is now played. But Certainly just going to miss him. I mean, there's no arguing how fun and special he was during his time here. Countless highlight plays helped give us maybe a smoother, seamless transition from a superstar like Adrian Peterson for all those years. I think anyone could have ever hoped for. But the five years we got him, he certainly proved to be a stand-up guy and just a core piece to a lot of fun, competitive Vikings teams over the last five years. Arif, your thoughts? Um, you know, I I think that there's like a couple of things here. One is that like it helps concretize what we what we think we know about Quasi. I think that if um, the, one of the reasons that that Rick Spielman was predictable was not just because he was consistent; it's because we knew him for like 12 years, right? Uh, and he was like a second year GM. He may very well be very consistent in his approach. It may be very clear, you know, what what his his like you know guide rails are and stuff like that but it's just without a huge sample of 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 transactions to pour over we won't know what that looks like right and so um it may be that there is like an internal logic to it that we'll be able to kind of suss out in terms of the way that he approaches team building um but the second thought is just like hey you know there is uh something to be said about running backs on second contracts but uh, about how we're always a little bit too aggressive about projecting you know positive outcomes for second contract running backs i 
can't think of any team that is happy with the second contract that they offered a running back, which is not to say uh, in, in the last 10 years, which is not to say there are no running backs who've performed well on a second contract, but notably the best one, Christian McCaffrey is performing well for the team that did not offer him that contract. Right. And so it seems maybe Nick Chubb, I don't know if he's on a second contract. He almost certainly should be right. That might be it, but like, you know, Derek Henry uh, performed reasonably well last year, but not up to like the level of the contract. It's just overall, this is a position that is really difficult to feel comfortable with, uh, you know, offering that second contract. And it may just be that the Vikings going forward until there is some revolution in player health or running back styles or something, uh, it, it may kind of, you know, divest from the running back position as it were um and so you know i i don't know how that's going to look i don't know how important it is to have you know a bell cow versus a committee we talked about that in the last episode that we all had together but um yeah i think all of those together do play like part of you know the the story of kind of how it came to be that the vikings were at this point they had to wait until june 1st to cut a guy that you know hopefully you know they would have at least been able to trade in two years ago i think a lot of people would have been surprised was, was um, you know, on the chopping block. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Taylor will be another one to keep a close eye on. He'll have a contract coming up here in the next year or two, and it'll just be interesting not only what the contract looks like. Obviously, everybody projects him to continue to be a top three, top five running back, but after he gets paid and just the production and the way that offense changes too in Indy, I'll have my uh, eye on too over the right. next you, few years. Some Someone you have to pay attention to, notably did not perform well last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. Not because he was bad, but because he couldn't control his own production. It was based on the offensive line. Yeah, Let's talk legacy for a moment. Um, Dalvin Cook, six years in Minnesota. Phenomenal player and maybe the uh, third best Vikings running back of all time. I think Peterson, Foreman, Cook, and maybe a sneak Robert Smith above him too, but he's top four for sure, I think, on most lists. I, I think that the talent was undeniable. I think it was also a little bit of a tease for six years. Yes. There was a there was a nice three year peak from nineteen to twenty one where he showcased his best for longer stretches, not long stretches, longer stretches. He started out nineteen and twenty at about five and a half yards a carry both those years for the first half of those seasons. But if you look at the course of his career, too many injuries. Too many drops, too many fumbles. Um, if you look at the way he ended seasons, so when your teams were needing to maybe run the ball a little bit more, trying to compete for playoff spots, Dalvin Cook, weeks nine and on, 4.3 yards per carry. Eight fumbles lost, eight games with three yards per carry or less. And he was only available for 37 of those 50 games, so he missed more than a quarter. Um the the early season stuff was great. The late season stuff was not great with Dalvin Cook. Luke Braun, just overall legacy thoughts on uh, on Dalvin Cook. It feels like, I don't know, maybe I'm just overexposed to it, but it feels like the last three, four years of Dalvin Cook has essentially all just been, is he or is he not living up to a contract? Because running back contracts have become like the easiest thing to talk about and sound smart. <laughs> I, I will say on this, he signs a five-year deal, 63 mil. He ultimately saw three years, maybe you count it as two, because only two of the extended years, 27 mil of it uh, on the whole. I believe that that is how he ended up mm. getting paid. 
So take that for what you will. But for me, actually watching Dalvin Cook, yeah, Dalvin Cook was a really fun player. He could always get the edge when he absolutely did not deserve to get the edge. You know, you could beat guys to the edge in, yep. in that way. Uh, I love the way that he uh, climbed the staircase, I think, or climbed the ladder is how I've heard it put where he'll you know go really strongly up to a linebacker that's trying to tackle him in space then cut outside it real real quick and be able to force missed tackles that way um i think there was a very underrated and difficult to like get into uh subtlety to the way that he approached uh the way that he approached gaps the way that he was able to really show his body on one side of of a blocker and but actually be attacking the other side without having to like stick his foot in the ground and jump cut and slalom uh, is something that I talked a lot about when I was evaluating Jameer Gibbs actually for the draft. I thought it re- reminded me of Dalvin Cook in a really good way. There's a lot of really cool stuff that Dalvin Cook did, uh, but yep. at that position, that's just stuff you're not going to hear about a lot. Just yeah, the is- way he played, just his skill set. Did it surprise you guys at all that? He didn't have quite as much production in the passing game. Six seasons, five reception touchdowns. And also, too, just a side side question for Luke and and Arif. I know you guys watched a ton of film last year. Did you see any signs of him slowing down at all? Is he still in his prime? Is he still the same old Dalvin? Or did you see some signs of, ah, man, he didn't quite turn the corner. He he had a one-on-one with the linebacker there to the edge. Couldn't quite beat him. Uh, And and I think it was his shoulder. Yeah, I, well, I think finishing plays a role. I will also say that if I were to compare his athletic skill set last year to the one the year prior, I would say that he was phenomenally a better athlete than he was the year prior. But if I were to compare him to, say, you know, 2018, 2019, I would say it felt like there was I don't, sluggishness is the wrong word, but it felt like there was another gear that maybe he wasn't quite always hitting. Um, and it's, it's tough to quantify, right? Because, um, I I think it's, it's basically the first step is really what I'm getting at, because I think that, you know, his top speed was fine. It was the same I think that his overall agility was fine. I think it was very similar. I think it's just kind of the, the burst off the handoff was just a a little bit Mm -hmm. different, um, this last year than it was when he was playing at a, at a point where we were considering him a top three, top four back. Um, but to me that, that is not a significant, like I know the first step is usually typically extraordinarily important for running backs. I think that this physical difference was not an extraordinary part of, of what made him such an interesting back to watch, uh, and, and what made him like really, you know, quite productive for the Vikings. Um, but I I would say there was a, a little bit of a small athletic difference. I will say though, that the difference in how he looked athletically on the field this last year versus how athletic he looked in camp, which again, it's camp, right? What are you going to do? Was, was miles away. Like I thought in camp, he looked faster and sleeker than I'd ever seen him in camp. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I, there have been a couple of training camps where Dalvin cook has looked phenomenal in different ways. Like, like I think in, in 2018, 2019, I was talking about how, ridiculously fluid he looked uh in camp just a remarkable you know fluidity as an athlete the ability to kind of yep. string together or running back moves and this last year i was talking about how incredibly fast he looked um that didn't show up on the field but it's not like he was slower than he would was previously it just the thing that made him stand out in camp just didn't appear so i just i, I don't know that was kind of interesting 
Um, the fluidity of his of his movements have always been there, though. So, you know, yeah, some yeah. of the best and, feet in, in a, the game, period. From a more like flowery perspective, too, I think with Dalvin Cook and his time in Minnesota on the whole, there are a lot of examples you can think of. And the more recent ones are the ones coming to my mind right now of like extraordinarily clutch breakaway touchdowns. Like in the Colts yeah. game, Miami game last last year, I think mm-hmm. about like the performance in Lambo, that four touchdown performance in Lambo, including that mm. screen that I believe mm. ended up being. I think that was the last touchdown. That was the game winner. Yeah. Uh, mm. That was just this absolutely incredible after catch run. So there's it's all kinds screen of really cool moments. Yeah, that screen was one of the coolest plays I've ever <laughs> that seen. Was awesome. <laughs> Uh, th- there's a lot of really, really cool stuff with Dalvin Cook's career. And and I think once we get far enough away from like the departure of a longtime veteran where you're no longer thinking about the cap savings of it all and, and the, you know, the dynamics and why didn't they get another pick or whatever. Uh, once you get like three years away from it, that all sort of fades and all you have is memories of, of the cool stuff he did. And you go, oh man, remember how fun Dalvin Cook was? Like, then we get there. Yeah, percentage I'm... chance he actually gets traded three percent, two percent. I mean, at this point, the only way Quasi could conjure up a trade is if he gets some sort of little mini bidding war going against two different teams right now, right? I mean, that's it, right? Uh, yeah, it is. It is technically possible, right? You know, Denver, Miami have both indicated interest. There's been um, some rumor. I know Doogie reported on this, but Doogie wasn't the only one that Dallas is kind of interested in him. Um, but I, I would say that the odds are very low because I think that if you didn't come to an agreement in terms before June 1st with the team, and then in the several days following June 2nd, um, did not execute on any of those potential, you know, agreements and memoranda, then it is really unlikely that a team is, is willing to not just spend like a sixth, seventh round draft pick. I mean, the, the spend is not the important part, but take on the contract in hopes of renegotiating a contract instead of attempting to find one in, um, in free agency to negotiate him down. Um, I, I think that that is pretty unlikely, but it is always possible that, um, you know, the teams that have reached out to Zach Hiller have constructed uh, an ideal contract scenario and uh, Hiller might've been able to indicate, Hey, a couple of teams have the same contract in mind. So if you want them, you need to, you know, trade a seventh round pick or something like that. It's possible, but I I think it's pretty unlikely. Yeah. Odds are it's not worth the extra money and the asset you're giving up just to have the exclusivity to make sure that you get him. Cause no one is desperate. No one is desperate for a running back. I don't think in this, in this day and on the calendar um, in today's era of the NFL, I just don't see that being a possibility. We'll see. We'll give it a few hours, but um, unlikely to happen. And Hey, I've been trumpeting the value of this running back rotation. I love it. I love the the switch to it. I think that it's going to actually be a a net positive for the Vikings. If you include the cap savings and, and what that represents, but you can also mourn the end maybe of an era of having a, a really cool, like talented running back as one of the faces of your offense, because that is leaving the league. Like that's not going to be around that much more. You won't be able to latch on to one guy as your running back hero. Now you can latch on to a few guys and you can have your favorites. You can say, man, I love the 12 carries a game Ty Chandler gets, but you're, you're not going to have the historical conversations maybe for a long time about about a Vikings running back. So that is the end of an era in that sense. More on Dalvin Cook 
with Ron Johnson when he comes on the show here momentarily. Let me remind folks that we're brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On, and it's the best place to bet the playoffs. The NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, Nuggets covered in a big way last night going up 2-1 in the NBA Finals. You can bet that and so many more games, MLB, NHL, and uh a lot of football futures right now at FanDuel Sportsbook, which is very easy to use, very secure. They've got a lot of promotions there, including the No Sweat First Bet, up to $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, up to 2500 folks. There's no better place to bet the playoffs. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Claim that No Sweat First Bet if you're a new customer and bet the playoffs at FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, let's pivot to Daniil, and then we'll circle back to Dalvin with Ron Johnson. Daniil Hunter news comes out yesterday. Let's play the sound effect just for fun. Trade talks are heating up for Daniil Hunter, and I think the the nugget that stands out to me, Arif Hassan, that they offered him a Band-Aid deal. A band-aid deal in 2023 to try to, you know, pay him basically this year, and I'm guessing let the contract expire, which on the heels of a band-aid restructure in 2021, a band-aid restructure in 2022, that's not what you wanted to hear if you were Daniil Hunter when you were number six in pressures a year ago in the NFL. Um I I'm reading this as they are going to trade Daniil Hunter. I don't know if there's any coming back from that. Yeah, I, I would be a little bit more um, optimistic about that scenario. I don't know if optimism is the right word, but I, I'd be a little bit more committed to that scenario happening if the reporting on it had a little bit more coming from the Viking side, right? Because the reporting on it is, hey, multiple teams have called, multiple teams are interested, they're serious. And I did not really hear anything in the language of the reports that I had seen, and maybe I had missed it, that the Vikings were serious in return, right? And so that is kind of the one thing holding me back from saying that this is like certainly a possibility. But I think that you're right that um, the reports that, and this might be from Daniel Hunter's camp, right? Maybe the Vikings offered like a, a serious deal that um, was more than a Band-Aid, but that the, the Hunter's team did not see as a serious deal, so they don't really count it. Um but uh, I don't love the idea that after two restructures that they would offer um, what sounds like, you know, we don't know what the parameters of this Band-Aid deal supposedly are, but sounds like a year or two extension or a year or two extension with void years or whatever that does not find a long-term commitment for Hunter in some capacity. He's, what is he, 28 heading into the season? He's still yet to hit his prime, kind of the perennial thing that we always say about Hunter um, but like you said, you know, he, he was he was uh, number six in the league in pressures. He was he's the team sack leader, especially after Zedaria Smith, who was second in sacks, was traded away. Um, there's not anyone on the roster that you feel super comfortable with being, you know, the the primary edge rusher like Marcus Davenport. I think we all kind of agree is a one year experiment. Hopefully it works out sort of thing. Um, and so, you know, like, are they going to lean on DJ Wanham? Are they going to hope that Patrick Jones kind of, you know, develop? Like I, that seems like a lot. Right. Um and it sounds like they very much want to compete this year, right? Like the whole, you know, are they going to make the playoffs? Like, I think that that's part of it. So well, they traded their, they're releasing their running back. They're tanking. Yeah, no, for sure. That's definitely how that works. Uh, um, so I, I, I think that the Vikings want to play this in a manner that like reflects the fact that they think that they hold all the cards, right? And in, in many ways they do. And so I think that they're just trying to play hardball 
with Hunter and other teams are seeing contract concerns come up and are calling in, but I don't know that the Vikings are actually serious about it. I think it's just Daniel Hunter and other teams are making this the story until I see more. I don't really see the Vikings making this a story. It's really Um, hard to see like a profitable trade for both sides because for what, yeah, if I'm the Vikings, it'd be really tough for me to give up more than a one. Right. But if I'm a team trading for him, I don't right. give up a one. Right. Like it's really easy to see a team calling and saying, like, hey, we'll give you like a second and change. And then but it's really hard to see the Vikings saying yes to that. And what the Vikings would yeah, say exactly. yes to, it's really difficult to see like mm-hmm. somebody coming in and giving them that because of what Arif just said. Like, if you do trade away Daniel Hunter, you're in hell. You have <laughs> uh like DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones, Luigi Villan competing to start. This sucks. Mm. let's let's like this this is rough yeah easily the most damaging like the the most damaging move for the present that doesn't fit sort of the 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 mentality they've had which has been the win forever mentality cut cut ties like to willfully put yourself yeah in that situation you better pay the heck out of me if if you're going to ask me to put myself in that situation yeah Yeah. there's only been a handful of trades for high-end premium pass rushers over the last decade i mean most recently was what bradley chubb he went for what first fourth and chase edmonds and he was 25 at a time arif you mentioned it hunter's going to be 29 during this season i think we can all agree though hunter's peak was probably higher than chubbs the most sacks he ever had in denver was 12 that was his rookie year four years prior and that was the only time he hit double digit sacks actually so if chubb who i I get it he's younger far less wear and tear which is a a huge part of the equation but if he goes for a one four and a complimentary player could hunter be in that realm i don't know i mean i think about khalil mack went for two first a third and a fourth granted some of those were futures Uh, jared allen went for a first and a third he was 26 i think the most comparable trade scenario over the last 15 years is probably richard seymour because he was also 29 years old really pulling it back goodness i want to hear it let's hear it that was pre-iphone i think yeah, that was crazy. No, they were on the two. They were on the two. He's the only <laughs> on guy, the though, two. guys. Okay. <laughs> 29 years old. He's the only comparable guy. I think he played in about the same amount of games. Hunter has had far more sacks than Richard Seymour. He went for a first, and that's it. No, I know, How obviously, things have changed. when he was traded to the Rams? How old was Von Miller then? Ooh, There's no way that the comparable age, right? But like, he yeah, the expiring though, the expiring contract and the need to extend him, I think <laughs> reduces the value yes. to it too. Um, I, I get it, but it's like, any but they don't have to say yes. The Vikings, That's right, the any thing. team, including the Vikings that wants Hunter are going to give him a long-term contract. Like you are going to like, it's not like you're going to trade for Hunter and then he's going to hit free agency right away. That's not what's going to happen. Any team that yeah. trades for him or keeps him will be offering him a multi-year contract. I, I don't know that that's a huge part of the equation. So Vaughn was 32. By the way. Yeah, so he's not 100% comparable, but, you know. A second and a third. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like if you, if you compare Daniil Hunter to, say, Zadarius Smith, right? Zadarius or Smith Richard like, Seymour. had requested his release. <laughs> And that depressed the value quite a bit. And it's the same thing that's been going on with Dalvin Cook. Everybody knew that, hey, he's going to hit the market. Why would I pay a draft pick for him, right? Or why would I pay a big draft Mm -hmm. pick for him just for, like, exclusive rights? We're not going to get that deal done. But with Daniil Hunter, the Vikings can't cut him. That's not an option. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
so they can just kind of hang up the phone on everybody. So it, the, the onus is on other teams to come with an offer that is sufficiently persuasive to get the Vikings to say yes to it. The Vikings can just say no to everything and go into the season, which means that you're not going to have these kind of this Calais Campbell fifth round pick. Really, you're just dumping the cap kind of deal. And plus, you don't dump that much cap. There's only, I think, like five million dollars in base salary. The rest of it has been restructured into bonus and stuff. So there's just no reason for the Vikings to trade to Neil Hunter away unless we get all the way to the extreme version of he's going to hold out. He's not going to play for you. He hates everybody here. And I don't it's, think that we have so sufficient information to know. CBA. It's so tough under the current. CBA yeah, that's a really, really difficult thing to do. Like he would have to be very mad. And unless you really just want to like project your own anger at the Vikings onto him, I don't think we can really say Th- that. there are some consequences, though, like this. This could be and I don't know this for a fact when you deal with Zedarius the way you dealt with Zedarius, uh, this this might be what happens as kind of a tremor. A guy who was really tight with Sidarius now suddenly feels like he doesn't want to be part of this defensive rebuild. He didn't like the way that Sidarius was treated. He's going to dig his heels in a little bit. Let's see what Ron Johnson thinks about this. Quasi loses the locker room. Yeah. As, as he joins a schism. His- schism! <laughs> it only Someone called Jared Allen. There's a schism. <laughs> Ron Johnson hosts the Ron Johnson show. He's on Twitter at three Ron Johnson. Uh, He's appearing on the Pat McAfee show later today to talk about this very subject. Should I, should I stand and like Bob around just to give you some practice? (laughs) What's up, Ron? Hey, um, pull your sleeves up, Sam. Get the gun talking. Yeah, I'll wear. Yeah, I'm not. Sam, you got to go with the tank top. You got to go with the tank top. That's right. Yeah. With the farmer's tan going on. Look at the thinnest gold chain possible too. (laughs) Right. Ron, we're talking Daniil, and then we'll circle back to Dalvin. But Daniil Hunter rumored to be on the trade block. What was your reaction to that yesterday? Uh, okay, so here's the thing with with business. There's business and there's friendship. So I'm, I have a friendship with Daniil Hunter. You know, he's come with me to to Gophers a Gophers game before. I reached out, hey man, can I come to a Gophers game? Be on the sideline with you guys. Um, so there's that aspect of it. You know, he's reached out to me. Hey man, like you need some tickets for this game. If you need them, I got you. Just let me know. Um, so there's that side of the business. So when I heard that first, it's like, man, like every single player, I feel like over the last like nine or so years that I've like created friendship with that has nothing to do with the Vikings. It was like gopher stuff off the field stuff. They're gone. Like literally Adam Thielen. Uh, uh, I mean, (laughs) Of course, Laquan Treadwell, like but Adam Thielen, in the living room. Cordero Pat. Right. That's what I feel like. Funny enough, in my hotel right now, like I have a Will Smith type couch. Like this is oh literally probably God. the couch that Will <laughs> Smith had uh, <laughs> when Bell Biv DeVoe showed up and they did the uh, <laughs> H- Hillary, Hillary had the, uh, the, the music video. But everybody's gone. You know, Adam Thielen. Uh, you know, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, uh, Cordero Patterson. And I mean, that's way back when, but it, it just, you know, it's one of those things where you start to feel old. I feel like my dad now, like my dad used to talk about guys that he knew that played that started to retire when I came into the league, you know, the Jerry Rices that had like one more or two more years left, uh, you know, stuff like that. That's when uh, you sit back and you look at this team and you're like, well, man, Neil goes, Eric Kendricks goes, um, Patrick Peterson wasn't really a voice, but he went. The last of the Mohicans is is Harrison Smith. And it's like, 
who who's going to have a voice on that team? And I think that's the key is like what and Daniel never really had a voice. I guess he was more just action. But you're losing a lot of that. Um, I want to say Zimmer era defense, maybe. And maybe maybe it's time to move on from that. I think that's the thing. We've been so caught up in having one of the top defenses in the NFL, uh, one of the, 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 the most, you know, violent defenses in the NFL. And you look at the past Super Bowl champions other than the Eagles. A lot of these teams hung their hat on their quarterback and their receivers. It wasn't even running backs the past five years because I did a little research on that. The last time there was like a top five, type six running back was 2013 with Marshawn Lynch. So it, it, it's gone the way of the quarterback receiver. That's why you see Justin Jefferson. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if DeAndre Hopkins showed up in Minnesota. It's not going to happen, but you see Lamar Jackson Let's trying go. to get, you know, who he got. <laughs> it's, it's just the way it's going. Like, look at the Rams. Look at the Eagles. Uh, look at the, the, the Patriots when Tom Brady won, he had Sony Michelle, you know, when he won with the Bucks, he had Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, you know, like it wasn't like, Hey, I got this great, you know, top five running back in my, in my roster. I I'm doing this as a quarterback and maybe this is Kevin O'Connell saying, Hey, Kirk, I'm going to get rid of all the pieces. It's your team. You and Justin go win me a Super Bowl. Yeah, Ron, let's say Daniil does get traded, and I understand it's a business like we've talked about, mm -hmm. but is there a certain point if you're a guy like Brian Flores, he just takes the elevator to the top floor at TCO and just Ooh. kicks Quasey's door down and says, bro, you <laughs> mad at me or something? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, when, I, when I signed up for this four months ago, I could at least have a defense to put out on the field that could compete. Now you got me working with, like, a JV squad out here. I so thought like, I left Miami. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how much, uh, Ron, how, how much do you think coaches are able to speak their frustrations behind the scenes? Or how much does, let's say, a coordinator, for example, have in those type of front office discussions? Just, you know, from your time in the league and what you saw and heard. Well, you know, in the words of one of my favorite movies, Wedding Crashers, erroneous, erroneous <laughs> on all counts. That defense, I don't care what you say, it's not a JV defense. This is why. Brian Flores is smart, right? When you think about the Avengers and, you know, Nick Fury, you know, when he put the Avengers together, he knew that it might not ever work because of all the different personalities and Iron Man wasn't, you know, was super selfish. He would never lay down on the wire. Of course, the joke is, why should I lay down on the wire when I could just cut the wire and y'all go walk across it? Here's where Brian Flores comes in. That's how he is. He's not a guy that thinks like, I got to have Captain America. I got to have this. I'm going to take a bunch of guys. He's more of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he's going to take a bunch of guys that nobody thinks can save the world, and he's going to save the world of the purple. Like, funny enough, the very first Guardians of the Galaxy had a purple light like this that Star-Lord had to hold on to, and then he could not believe. He's like, wait a minute, you're human. You're not supposed to be able to hold on to that stone. Well, we know now, Ego was his daddy, and he is part God. He is part celestial. So if Brian Flores can take this ragtag bunch, you got Harrison Smith as Star-Lord, you got the rest of these guys. I don't know who's going to be Groot and Rocket, um, but Daniel Hunter could be Groot because he doesn't say much, and he's built like a tree. And so if you if you think about what Brian Flores can do in the multiple set defenses, it doesn't take stars. Like, he turned that Dolphins defense in two years into a top defense. The reason why they got rid of Brian Flores is because he was probably about to blow the lid off that thing of them cheating trying to get Tua. But what happened? <laughs> They didn't fire the defensive coordinator in Miami. 
They fire Brian Flores. If you don't believe in the team and the defense, you fire everybody. The head coach, I want all you out there. No, no, no. I'm going to fire the head coach. Hey, but you defensive coordinator, I need you because that defense works. I need you to stay here. So Brian Flores clearly has something he can get done. He wouldn't, like, he doesn't sit back with these moves and be like, oh, my God, Quasey, are you killing me? Quasey's probably telling me, look, this is what I'm going to have to do to get some money in here. I'm going to go try to get you some other pieces. But right now I got to clear some cap space for this guy named Justin Jefferson. And, and I think that's what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a – I don't – I think we should – I think we should end the show on that. that was yeah, incredible. we got to end it. Wrap it up. Call it a day. Wait, hold on. Does that that would make? I want to um, follow that up. That would that that's got to make Mike Zimmer Yondu, right? Like, <laughs> wow, that's actually really wow. good. <laughs> <laughs> that he's really Harrison Smith's like stolen dad or something. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your father, but I sure am your daddy. <laughs> Sam's lost. Sam has no and then idea. When, when Zimmer what? got fired, all the other coaches showed up. Like, we got you. <laughs> you didn't get fired in vain. We're with you. Wow. All right. Wow. We're off the rails. Let me try to pull it back at least to something. Good so luck, with, dude. With... Have fun, man. <laughs> with all of these losses of, you know, the, the, cornerstone faces of the Vikings for the last decade who does step up who is now that voice in the locker room is it Justin Jefferson is it somebody else well I mean Harrison Smith takes so many different names and and faces within the Avengers in my eye he's also Hawkeye I feel like he sits back like a, a complete assassin dressed in black and just picks people off from a distance um but I do think he needs to step up and be Star-Lord. Like, I think it's time for him to, you know, look Thor in the face and say, this is my ship now. You know, uh, Kirk Cousins. We know Kirk Cousins had a voice. He clearly did the, you know, shirtless Kirko chains. Maybe it's time for him to take a bigger role. Maybe show up to practice, like, butt naked with a pineapple and chains on. I don't know. But Kirk He's got to be dressed. That's what you're saying, right? He, he's right. He's just got to come out of his show. Hey, you know, that's a good one. Like he could just show up every practice, <laughs> just shirtless, just out there throwing dimes. Uh, but I mean, for, 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 I think Kirk Cousins, I think Harrison Smith needs a voice. And honestly, Justin Jefferson is quiet. He's loud on the field. I think it's time for Justin Jefferson to get a voice. I think he has to start to talk a little bit more. Uh, he has to become more of like a, a, a Randy Moss on the field voice. Because uh, we know Randy didn't talk much, but when he talked, everybody listened. And I think maybe it's time for Justin Jefferson to do that because when you look at this offense, it's just Kirk now. You don't have Adam Thielen. You don't have Dalvin Cook. You don't have guys, you know, maybe Christian Darisaw's offensive tackle uh, becomes like a loud offensive tackle. I don't know. But, yeah, you're right. I don't I don't really have an answer to that because Eric Kendricks was kind of the defensive guy. Um, I don't know if Jordan Hicks is that guy. Like, I don't know if he has that voice. Uh, all these new guys that, that they bought in as free agents. I don't know if Byron Murphy uh, has that in him. So the answer is I don't know. But my, my early answer would be Kirk Cousins and Harrison Smith. I think they need to be the voices early. So um, my my concern primarily is just like, you know, obviously, you know, there's been an analytical movement to like really emphasize, you know, how much more coverage matters than pass rush. But they're complementary. You need to have a good pass rush in order for your defense to be, you know. Um, And I just don't know where the pass rush is coming from. Like, yeah, okay, there's a Marcus Davenport. Maybe he'll, you know, turn in the best of his career as opposed to the worst of his career. That's a little bit of an unknown. But, you know, Dean Lowry did not have a wonderful year last year, right? Harrison mm-hmm. Phillips is much more of a run stuffer. DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones are who they are, right? Like, I just, where is 
the pass rush going to come from in a world where the Vikings do at some point trade Daniel Hunter, which is kind of one of the reasons I think that they won't. But if they do, like, what, what does that look like? How are they going to support, you know, Makai Blackman and the Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you think about the Legion of Boom, you know, we didn't think their front four was like super dominant. They were good. But I wouldn't say their front four was like, oh, my goodness, I don't want to go. Against I, I don't think there's a Cliff Averill on the roster, man. <laughs> that's like totally right. So, so that's my point. Right. So, so. Crucially, the Legion of Boom had a secondary. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get there. Let me get there. <laughs> what? <laughs> what I think they can get out of Jordan Hicks and Marcus Davenport is the movement pieces of the Legion of Boom. Like, think about the Legion of Boom and how uh, Cam... Like Michael Bennett kept on moving around, correct. how Bruce yeah. Irvin kept Cam, moving around. Exactly. Cam Chancellor would walk up in the box and he would confuse the crap out of people. Sometimes he would go. Sometimes he would drop back and just decapitate a, a tight end coming across the middle. Like, I think that's where, like, Cam Bynum needs to step up. Like, he has to become a movement guy. I think Cam, or, or, uh, Lewis, Lewis Scene... Lewis Seen can become a guy, maybe like a, a Cam Chancellor, who just wants to hit people and becomes a rover where he's like a safety linebacker. Um, because I don't see him uprooting Cam, uh, buying him out of his spot as that safety number two. So Lewis Seen clearly healthy, clearly was a big hitter in college. Um, find a role for him. If he, him and maybe him and, uh, Brian Asamoah become some type of assassins within that movement defense. Um, and, and you're yeah, not going to get the Legion of Boom. It. Let me, let me stop. I don't want to be preposterous. You're not going <laughs> to recreate the Legion of Boom. Uh, but what I noticed from the Seahawks that year, um, is one, Marshawn Lynch liked his Skittles and they all like smoked a little bit of weed. So I don't know if the Vikings need to do that. It's legal in Minnesota, by the way. Um, or, like, or as of like a couple of days ago, that is like quite a team building activity. Hey. <laughs> Surely none sit of them circle, have yet before. Sit in, a, sit in a trust circle and just let it go. Hey, they got rid of Rock Thomas, Luke. I don't know what you're talking about. Surely, or you surely the, not uh... one Viking has. <laughs> I would not impugn them so. What and speaking of that, wasn't there a Viking that got in trouble because his neighbor said he was smoking weed too much? Wasn't that uh, Rock Thomas? Yeah, oh, Rock Holton Thomas, Hill. Yeah, Rock yeah. Thomas or was Holton on Hill. the uh, was on the police report of Holton Hill getting reported for yeah. smoking too much, and and Mike Zimmer was like, "Okay, you've been arrested like four times now. This is like way too man." Much. Like he just he did it too soon. He was he was ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah. Ahead of his time is really the best way to. I'm uh, I'm glad you, you brought you up. About, um, I was gonna say the movement though. That's the last piece. Yeah. It's the movement, the defense to create confusion for the quarterback and get up to the quarterback you got to move you can't I think that was the one thing we hated about Ed Donatel was he just lined up and played yeah. and so hopefully Brian Flores does a lot of that Baltimore Ravens you know if you think about the Ravens back in 2007 2008 uh you know it was a ton of movement you think about the Patriots uh you think about the Jets with Rex Ryan when he got there ton of movement with Bart Scott and those guys like movement. it's it's that's that's what you have to do when you don't have like those pieces. So, yeah, no. And, I, and I'm glad you brought up like a, a couple of names, because at first it sounded like you were comparing like a 225 <laughs> no. pound Cam Chancellor to 195 pound Cam Bynum. And I was like, the names, <laughs> I get it. But, you know, other than that. But no, I mean, like Lewis C knows how to hit. I get it. Like I know where you're going with this. And we're all, you know, and, and Jordan Hicks is like at, what, like six, four. Like, I, I understand like yeah. there's a lot of physical capability to move around. And, and a player like Cam Bynum or Jay Ward can. And serve a role in that they can cover for players that are Correct. that are moving around. Yep. So I, I get where you're going, but um, that all kind of matches what uh, Brian Flores has historically done. You know, you know his ability to kind of create pressure from multiple angles and stuff like that. 
It, it still does concern me, though, because at a base level, all of these defenses that did have a lot of movement were able to generate pressure, did have like premier pass rushers, too. That if you lined them up, right, and, and just had a front four rush, they would generally be successful and they just turned into a much more successful version when they were moving around. Like your base unit still has to be good at their job. And Correct. so that is like my primary yeah. concern. No, you're right. And you look at the Eagles, that's what they were all good at. You know, like they, they've always had those in rushers. You look at the, the, the Steelers, they've always created pressure with just the edge rushers. So, yeah, that's going to be maybe a different thing we haven't seen. Like you, you've had uh, what, Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter. I mean, we've been blessed with Brian Robinson. I mean, you, you've had those guys that oh, Zimmer kind of created. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now it's, it's going to be a new uh, I mean, look. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the thing for training camp we're all going to have to watch every day is – those defensive end versus tackle battles like are the defensive ends just getting absolutely murdered by Christian Darisaw and if that's happening then maybe we have our answer it's not coming from the true D and that's if Daniel Hunter's gone it's not coming from the true defense ends maybe maybe because clearly there was no trade value for Zadarius there was no trade value for Dalvin Cook maybe Daniel Hunter's trade value isn't big enough and maybe his agent even comes back saying hey look man like there's not a ton of teams that really want you at where you're at right now why don't we renegotiate with the Vikings to at least stay for one more year? And then let's maybe get you out of your contract and just be a complete free agent. That way you have control after this season on where you go. So that could happen too. Yeah. Um, let, let's end Ron with a, a Dalvin question. Dalvin cook traded or released by tomorrow. Uh, what do you think this does to the offense this year? Does it reduce the offense's potential by a lot, or do you think they can still be equally successful with a rotation headlined by Alexander Madison. Like I said, I just gave you those five names in the last five Super Bowl winners. Uh, mm -hmm. Besides Marshawn Lynch in 2013, I think it's doable. I think Alexander Madison is good enough. I will say Dalvin Cook getting cut made me famous again because uh, I woke up this morning and I never thought I'd get a text message from uh, Pat McAfee. Uh, today is my father's birthday. Uh, rest in peace to my dad. So it was a tough morning. And then I got a text from uh from pat mcafee and it, it said pat mcafee you know like suggestion but then i for some reason i didn't save his number i guess so it also says report if scared yeah, report again fishing yeah. so i'll have to i'll have to screenshot and show you guys the text like he texts me like hey ryan what's up uh hope you're doing well sir and then i just said is this real uh what and that's all i did <laughs> Oh, and then God. and then and it was and then, and then I was like, but if this is real, hey, what's up, bro? Doing good. Hope all is well. Yeah, this Dalvin Cook stuff is crazy. <laughs> and then he responded like, Nah, man. Yeah, man. It, it, it's it's me. Uh, we've been talking all morning about Dalvin Cook, man. We wanted to get you on today to uh, chop it up about Dalvin Cook. So I was like, Bet, let's it's do like it. That so time Randy Moss hung up on Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Bill. Get out of <laughs> Literally, I was sitting there and I saw the scam likely, and I'm like, <laughs> but then I'm like, wait, but three, I'm like, 317 is a little too specific. Like, I'm and then like, he asked you to be... send him some Visa gift cards. Is that what happened? <laughs> right. He just approved yeah, you committed right. to the show. Hey, yeah. if you want to be on the show, I need $100 in my video. It's an investment. Like, You'll get your money back. Don't worry. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. You know, just like, to confirm that this my is your was, I'm like, Yeah. I'm like, I'm in a hotel, so I'm like, I could do the show from here like this. I was like, cool, man, let me know. He's like, 120. I was like, you know what? I got to go home. I got to get the mic. I got to have the headphones. I got to show the memorabilia because he has two Steeler fans uh, in his studio, mm -hmm. Joe and Nick. So I'm like, I want to show them the helmet because I know when I first went on, I made the joke about the NFL told him no more logos. 
So I got I got my helmet from the Ravens. I got my Steelers helmet at home. I got my dad's Super Bowl rings uh, that I'm gonna bring out today for his birthday on the show. So uh, yeah, yeah. So I got some treats for those guys. I got a Terry Bradshaw jersey. Um, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to the show today. 1.20 p.m., Ron Johnson joins the Pat McAfee Show, and he's on the roundtable with us tomorrow morning on Locked on Sports Minnesota with Reggie Wilson, Luke Inman, and myself. Thanks a lot, Ron, as always. No, I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, good stuff. Um, and as we wind down here on our Minnesota football party, reminder that we're partnered with Sirius XM. You can find our programming here at Locked on Sports Minnesota on the SXM app. Just search Locked on Sports Minnesota, find Ron Johnson, find the Minnesota Football Party, Minnesota Sports Rankum, and also the hometown broadcast for all the local teams. Twins trying to salvage a game in Tampa today. Not optimistic about it, but you can hear the hometown broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just search Twins. And why don't we close with this, a little four-minute drill. Start the clock. It's time to execute. The four-minute drill. The premise is simple. I want a minute from each of you on who leads the Vikings in sacks this year and with how many. Luke Enman, let's start with you in the four-minute drill. Well, if I go off Flores' history in Miami, just for this exercise, 2019, they ran a 4-3. Taco Charlton led the team with five. 2020, they switched to that 3-4. It was Emmanuel Agba, who played five-tech. He led the team with nine sacks. He did it again in 2021. So the leader every year under Flores went Taco, Agba, Agba. 4-3 edge, a five-tech, and a five-tech. I think first off, if Hunter is on the team, I think all that stuff's a mute point because there's such a huge gap in just talent from him to the next pass rusher. So he would be my number one pick with a bullet. But if not, I think just based off the history under Flores, how he likes to dial up his pressures, and then just the personnel the Vikings currently have, if it's not Hunter and it's going to be a five-tech again like it was Agba in Miami, it would have to be Marcus Davenport, who it sounds like is getting a lot of reps at five-tech during OTAs. Obviously, it's not always copy and paste like that year to year just because they have the same coach with Flores, but that gives me a good starting point to go off of. I think Davenport would be the guy, at least in the mix, to be in the top two or three by season's end. I'll say Marcus Davenport, if Hunter isn't on the team, with 11 and a half sacks. All right. Wow. Big increase from last year. Arif Hassan. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, just in uh, service of not picking the... So, obviously, Daniil Hunter, but, right... Um, in the service of not also picking Marcus Davenport, I'll go with somebody who kind of fits the role that Luke described, which was uh, five technique. You're going to go with Dean Lowry, somebody who has been able to produce pressure somewhat consistently over the course of his career in Green Bay, was primarily a rotational rusher until his final couple of years. Last year was not great for him in Green Bay. But, you know, if you take a look at uh, the season prior, he was among interior defenders, a high level pressure producer, ended up with five sacks. But, you know, five sacks we have learned can lead the Vikings in sacks. If we remember the lesson from Unique and Gotway. <laughs> so uh, it is entirely possible that that's an area. But I also think that Brian Flores is more likely to put a player like Lowry, who's a little bit of a better pass rush than he is a run defender, into uh, a role where he's going to get some sacks, where the movement is going to actually allow him to be kind of the closer, the penetrator, which is kind of one of the reasons that, you know, those interior defenders end up having high sack numbers because you've got all of these loopers and twisters that are 
putting pressure on the quarterback to move in to somebody who is um, the the primary producer. In that case, it would be, uh, you know, Dean Lowry. I think that he's got the most pass rush potential of the interior guys. Of course, you know, Luke Braun might pick somebody like Aceze uh, Odomewo, which, you know, would be fine. I think that that would be a, a good person to fit the role. But in terms of somebody who's got the capability to rush the passer right now, who's got the technique down, I would pick Dean Lowry. Um, otherwise, obviously, second place would be Kairos Tonga. I don't need to add on to that. Obviously. Yeah. Ron. Jadeveon Clowney with seven sacks. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> now, like, I too am learning lessons from Unique Ngakwe here. If you lose one of the, the <laughs> starting edge rushers, the, like the most important oh, guy on the defense right now, maybe <laughs> after uh, Harrison Smith, depending on some of your opinions, like... If you lose Daniel Hunter to this, you're not. You cannot go into the season with like Marcus Davenport and guys on the defensive line and expect and to be. Guys, you're going out. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! You're going you out on the, the team in sacks in 2021. Let us not never be forget. So flippant. <laughs> and guys, <laughs> and if you look at the market, I mean Frank Clark's out there, but Jadeveon Clowney can sort of take on that that versatile type of role that that Inman was describing. So I see that, but also learning a lesson from Unique Ngakwe, that ain't going to be a good pass rush. I'm sorry, if you if you trade Daniil Hunter away, everybody should probably just go to sleep for 2023. That is not going to be a good pass rush. That's going to be seven sacks leading the team, and maybe you're trading him at the deadline anyways, Ngakwe style. I, there will be no end to my doom. Uh, the correct answer to this is obviously Unique Ngakwe with five sacks. <laughs> He's one of the top free agents available. Yeah, he's available. Yeah. Yeah. This is a better fit for the way that he plays defense, too. And is there anyone really left? Two-time Viking sack leader, Unique Ngakwe. It's such a great title. Can you imagine? (laughs) And they can trade him again. They can trade him again at the deadline. Yeah. Six sacks out of him, trade him at the deadline, and then die. Great. (laughs) Run it back. seven wins a year let's go it's what everybody wanted now you don't have to pay attention to the vikings ryan floors cannot sue the vikings for tanking that's the goal here (laughs) okay so sans dalvin and sans daniel would your kind of win projection in your mind would it dip and by how much really quickly inman uh i think it would i think a premium pass rusher makes that much of a difference in this pass happy league and a guy as good as daniel hunter i think that might cost you a game maybe a game and a half so yeah instead of nine ten maybe you're looking at seven or eight wins yeah arif yeah it's tough these are not linear right it's not linear Mm -hmm. wins added by you know it's i think that the marginal difference between daniel hunter on the team and not on the team is massive in a way that um, was not true for Zedarius Smith because you had Daniil Hunter, right? There was always a floor, and now that floor is gone. Uh, and so I would say it is possible to lose, like, two wins, right? And so what are the Vikings, eight and a half again in terms of over-under? Mm-hmm. So I would say it is possible for them to be, you know, six and a half, seven-win team. Ron? Can't win without a pass rush. If you get rid of Daniil Hunter, you don't make any moves to replace him. That's a six-win team. Everybody go to sleep. <laughs> wow. Wow. Sleep. Um, Bron, we might be three up in 2024. It's not worth it. Some of those worst defenses in team history that we talked about, we might be threatening that. Hey, at least they'll be able to keep Brian Flores. Everyone was worried he was only going to be here one year. Don't worry about it. I don't know. It's it's a lose. That's what they're doing. 
<laughs> They're keeping him in the second year so they could get those comp picks. Let's go. They developed it. Yeah. If they do anything with that defense, he is gone so fast. It'd be the most impressive coaching job in Vikings history. I have great news for you then. <laughs> DJ wanted oh with Makai Blackman over the top. Ain't going to do it, man. Hey, when Richard Seymour was traded in 2009, the iPhone 3GS just came out. All you, right? you spent time to first. look. <laughs> I need a first or I'm hanging up the phone. If I'm Quasi, I need a first. That's where everything starts. Right? Harrison Smith is going to pull a Terrence Newman position. and like retire before the season and join the coaching staff. That's where we're and get too old for him. this. <laughs> Yeah, him and Ben Ellison. They've got an excess of safeties. Yeah, yeah. Ben Ellison. Yeah, right. That's yeah. right. Nah, who knew coaching was like this? Yeah, it's the pitch. We should have talked to Terrence. Terrence <laughs> Zimmer sucked the soul out of Terrence Newman. He's never surfaced again. He's just gone. He's like he's, off he's the in his edge basement drinking I, there, Merlot. I, there is not a coaching 22. staff on the planet that well, maybe Matt rules based off of what we're learning today. But generally speaking, there's not a <laughs> coaching staff on the planet that wouldn't ride uh like a, a new coaching intern player or not into the ground. That's a that's a 60 hour minimum job. Yeah. Yeah, that's not uh that's not fun in games. Um that's the show today. Daniil Hunter news, Dalvin Cook news, plenty to chew on, and we'll have plenty more to chew on on Monday when uh, Luke and Arif rejoin the show. Big thanks to uh, Ron Johnson as well. Hear him on Pat McAfee at 120 Central. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube. Comment below what you think of the moves and find us free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to the everydayers for tuning in throughout the week. Roundtable tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.